Hello, I'm Richard Hurley, the BMJ's Features and Debates Editor. Our latest head-to-head debate considers whether programmes in low- and middle-income countries to reduce mortality through the blanket distribution of high-dose vitamin A to children should cease. And I'm joined by two of the authors. Keith West is a professor at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health in Baltimore, and he thinks that programmes should continue in general for the time being. And John Mason, Professor Emeritus at the Department of Global Community Health and Behavioural Sciences, Tulane University School of Public Health in New Orleans, thinks that these programmes should cease. Thank you both for joining me. Keith, could you start by briefly reminding the BMJ's readers how these programmes of mass vitamin A distribution started and what the scale of these programmes is today? Sure. So vitamin A was discovered in 1913, and one of its most early findings was that it was um, a vitamin that was associated with infection. Uh, Low status, high infection, better status, lower infection. And that has been the pattern over the past century. Over the past 30 years, following uh, a realization that it it, it could it, uh, reduce uh, uh, severity of infection and therefore uh, improve child survival. There have been a number of randomized trials that have been carried out uh, over these years, and uh, the uh, overall effect that has been demonstrated has been a uh, 23%, 25% reduction uh, in uh, mortality of children under five years of age in low-middle-income countries where there is apparent vitamin A deficiency. This has been supported by uh, uh, now decades of mechanistic studies that provides um, biological feasibility, uh, feasibility with respect to mechanisms and pathways by which uh, vitamin A may be acting to reduce severity of infection, uh, help resolve inflammation, and maintain uh, uh, a more healthful state uh, for populations that are under severe, moderate to severe nutritional stress and environmental stress where we find this effect to be uh, present. So um, with that as the evidence, programs have gone forward uh, to, um, countries have gone forward to supplement children with uh, a large dose of vitamin A every six months uh, over the past Uh, 25, 35 years uh, as a way to reduce child mortality, which has been evaluated time and time and time again uh, by uh, not only the researchers who are doing the vitamin A work, but um, economists and meta-analysts and uh, a whole range of, uh, of sectors in the scientific community that continue to show that this uh, uh, intervention is uh, efficacious and effective in reducing mortality. Um, there's change over time, and, and one has to visit this, this issue from time to time, which is what we're doing. Thank you. That's, that's a great background. And, and your pieces say that currently there's something like 270 million children under five are receiving um, this intervention. John, your side of the debate argues that these programs should stop. Why do you think that? Okay, well, on the one hand, there is a very considerable cost to the programs, particularly 
in the opportunity cost of health workers in distributing vitamin A capsules. But uh, just to back up, I mean, I tell my students that if they, if they, in 10 years' time, think back, they'll find there was a very strange period in um, international relations when the, US, when the West was shipping billions upon billions of capsules full of a pharmaceutical called vitamin A, and nobody really evaluated the program, um, which was really a bit disgraceful. So that this program's not been evaluated. It's been going on for 20 years or so. The, the one evaluation that was done, effectiveness evaluation in India, a million kids in each group, showed no impact. Um, there's very good reason to suppose there would not be any impact any longer. The previous impact was primarily through measles and diarrhea, and measles is now well controlled by immunization, and diarrhea has got a lot better controlled through various control measures. It would be perfectly fair to say that in decades gone past, there may well have been an impact, although frankly we don't know that, um, but it would be a reasonable assertion. Um, so really the time has come to move on, in our view. Um, before we go on, I should just say I'm speaking on behalf of uh, two co-authors and nine other scientists uh, with whom I've been working and that we have papers pending with them. So I'm speaking on behalf of a, of a wider group. So the, there is a body of evidence, isn't there, though? There was a Cochrane systematic review in 2017, I believe, that supports such programmes. Why do you dispute this body of evidence? I mean, the meta-analysis published in 2017 added just a few studies to the original studies with very low weight. So really, the meta-analyses, such as they are, are continuing to show the original findings of the 1990s that there was um, an impact at that time. The, the, the new data have not um, really been inserted into there. I, I personally would not see how you would insert the data in there. Secondly, the meta-analyses have not considered the effect of time. They've not, for some reason, included whether you can see an effect of time over the uh, considerable space of time between the meta-analyses. When we looked at this very briefly in our paper in the International Journal of Epidemiology, um, we found that the effect seemed to be declining. Um, and when you think of it um, in terms of, of the biology, it, it would be very unlikely that the effect would be continuing. Keith, what do you make of these criticisms of the, 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 the Cochrane Review and other evidence in support of this, so this, these programmes? I disagree more. Um, the uh, the meta-analyses continue to roll out to this day, adding more small trials that are were not not designed, uh, implemented, or uh, powered to show impact on mortality. So it, these small studies add tend to add more variability to uh, effect estimates in terms of their confidence intervals. And despite that. Two meta-analyses in 2017, on which I am not a co-author, uh, 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 reaffirmed the value of vitamin A supplementation in undernourished populations as a child survival intervention. Dr. Mason uh, makes reference to a trial in India that was carried out in 2000 to 2004 uh, that uh, showed no effect, but that study was a program evaluation. It um, it did not meet, uh, uh, virtually did not meet any of the standard criteria uh, for carrying out a trial. Uh, and so the best way to view that uh, uh, study is as a, an attempt to evaluate a, 
program that was not running very well. John, do you want to come back on any of those points? First of all, the meta-analyses um, remain dependent upon the weights of the original studies. The, you have to, Keith, surely give some um, size to the new studies that have happened to come into this. There were four new studies in the 2017 uh, meta-analysis, only two of which actually had mortality as an outcome and which had so little weight they had no effect on the outcome. So it is misleading to suggest that the data keep rolling in. And is one of those, is one of those, sorry, John, is one of those the DEVTA study that you, that's been discussed? No, no, the DEVTA study has been included in some meta-analyses. It's extremely hard to include the DEVTA study because with a, a sample size of a million, it really does depend upon what weight you put upon that as to what answer you get. So, no, these are little studies that have come in later on. As Pete Keith said, none of which were powered or intended to contribute to this discussion. My second point, then, is that let, let's be clear about DEVTA. As Keith said, and I think we're all agreeing, DEVTA was not an efficacy trial. It was not designed to determine the biological impact of very high doses of vitamin, day, uh, vitamin A on mortality. It was intended to see what happened when you had an operational program. It was a program evaluation, not an efficacy trial. And as such, it showed no impact. Now, that lack of impact may have been due to operational uh, difficulties, uh, distribution, and so forth. But the issue is, could you really distribute high doses of vitamin A to a population under normal conditions and expect to see an impact? And the answer was a very clear no. The third point, which is really important to separate out, is the lack of association between vitamin A deficiency and the impact of high-dose vitamin A capsules every six months. It is not an indication, uh, vitamin A deficiency in a population, which is actually extremely well known, it's around 30% in many developing countries, um, does not contribute, as far as we know, to the impact of vitamin A capsules. High-dose vitamin A capsules do not contribute to the reduction of vitamin A deficiency for anything more than a small and transient time. And we all, Keith included, we all in agree to that. The programs, as they are at the moment, have no effect on vitamin A. And the trouble with that is, is that the biggest problem, in my view, is the extent of mild, moderate vitamin A deficiency, which is not being adequately addressed. We also need to pursue, with all due vigor, the other alternatives, which go beyond dietary change into breastfeeding, into um, fortification, which is highly effective. Keith, do you want to respond to any of those? Yeah. Uh, let me put our, our, our uh, point clearly here. Uh, uh, the serum retinol response to vitamin A supplementation, as John has correctly pointed out, uh, based on the data available of following children after a large dose and following them over time and looking at serum retinol, shows only a transient rise. I must say that uh, the data are not complete uh, because there is no study that has ever followed children throughout the preschool years and looked at the uh, difference in their vitamin A status as multiple, multiple doses, uh, you know, are given over, over the first five years. So that, that is a question mark. But let's say it doesn't, it, that, that, you know, our data are correct in the world and that uh, the effect is transient. There is no nutrition intervention that has more evidence around child survival than vitamin A. You use that evidence of coverage to um, uh, 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 judge that you are having an impact on xerophthalmia, on blindness, 
on mortality due to severity of infection that has now been shown to include hearing loss from otitis media. You, uh, uh, malaria metric indices uh, go, you know, are, are attenuated with vitamin A supplementation. You use the data on the public health impact to uh, uh, achieve your public health goals. In countries where there is vitamin A supplementation going on, if you do a, uh, a survey and look at vitamin A status of the children, if there is deficiency there, then there is no dietary safety net. And there is no justification for uh, removing the capsules until that serum retinol distribution has moved to the right. So you use the serum retinol to judge the adequacy of diet, not the impact of the vitamin A supplement program. Thank you, Keith. We, we're running short of time, so we better move move along. Um, John, you say in your piece that these programs are costing half a billion dollars a year, um, which could be spent more effectively on different interventions. What would you like to see it spent on? Well, first off, we don't know the exact figure, but it must be somewhere along those lines. I mean, there's a whole lot of nutrition interventions which are well known to prevent malnutrition. Um, vitamin, A, vitamin A capsules in, in um, physiological doses remains, to my mind, not one of them. Um, if one tries to address vitamin A deficiency as the intended outcome, um, then fortification is known to be highly effective. Low-dose supplementation every week or so is known to be highly effective. Uh, breastfeeding support continues to be needed, and there is some evidence in the long run that um, improving diets do lead to a decrease in vitamin A deficiency. Keith, are, are the programs cost-effective, do you think? Well, if you look at what the economists write uh, in the Copenhagen uh, consensus that was last uh, evaluated in uh, 2008, I believe, um, uh, and before that, the World Development Report written by economists uh, in the 90s, vitamin A has continued, supplementation has continued to be uh, 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 defined as one of the most cost-effective uh, interventions for reducing uh, child mortality. If one takes the UNICEF State of the World's Children Report for 2016 uh, and uh, taking the the average effect that has been uh, that has evolved from meta-analyses of a 23% reduction in child mortality, and you work the numbers in terms of the mortality rates and the attributable reduction. One comes up with estimates of 400 to 500,000 child deaths avertable being averted every year with this program, and um, and so we want to keep that that impact. You can achieve that impact with diet, uh, and so countries need to improve the diet in order to uh, protect those children from dying and to back off vitamin A. It is a local contextual problem, uh, go to Thailand. If Thailand shows that, that vitamin A deficiency is no longer there and there is um, additional evidence that the diet has improved, there's fortification of oil or other kinds of products or the dietary diversity has measurably increased, back off from the supplements. John, do you have any final comments? Yeah, I do. I mean, 
Um, I think that it's possible to reach uh, uh, an agreement on this, but it's not going to be done over the phone today, as it were. Um, and I think uh, independent review is, is needed to do that. I think it's extremely important to simplify this and to distinguish vitamin A deficiency from a possible continuing impact of high-dose vitamin A on mortality. It would be resolvable if we agree on what the impact is today. We are not disputing that there was an impact 20 or 30 years ago under those circumstances of much lower measles immunization rates, et cetera, et cetera. And finally, it's, it's almost inconceivable that all this has been done in the absence of any proper evaluation. The estimates that are given out, such as Keith quoted, of millions of lives saved are all based upon the coverage times the relative risk, assuming the relative risk is the same today, which there is no evidence that it should be the same today. Thank you. We're going to have to bring it to a close there. Um, but I'm very grateful to both of you for taking the time to talk to me about the issue today. I can't think of a better sparring partner. Okay, thank you. I'd like to thank John Mason and Keith West. You can read the debate online on bmj.com. And as always, we'd be delighted to know what you think. So please send us a rapid response. We republish the best as formal letters to the editor. I'll be back with more debates in the future, so make sure you subscribe to us so you don't miss out. We're on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening.